It's Friday, June 3rd, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynes, it's a, a fabulous Friday here in Cleveland. It's fabulous for everybody except Joe Girardi in Philadelphia. Uh, we just found out the uh, the Phillies uh, axed their manager uh, in the first week of June. Yeah, I mean, you know, they made such a big deal of hiring a, you know, an experienced manager, spending a lot of money. You know, it seemed like uh, Joe was uh, as secure as secure could be, but the Phillies have been terrible for two years, and uh, I guess it finally caught up to him, Joe. Yeah, uh, really, one of the things you can point to sort of as the reason why, uh, obviously, they're, they're 12 games behind the Mets in the, the NL East, and they've sunk all this money into their payroll, uh, you know, expecting to just throw money to, to, at, at problems to, to sort of solve them. Uh, they've, they've had some injuries. Bryce Harper is no longer playing uh, in their outfield, but their their defense has just been terrible. Their their defense is in the in the basement in the National League uh, in, in all of baseball, really. Uh, every defensive team statistic uh, outs above average defensive runs saved. They're either 29th or 30th in the league. Uh, so measurably, this is a team that that really, you know, isn't getting the job done on the field and stuff that can be pointed back directly towards the manager. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like you said, they have had some injuries. Segura just broke his finger. You know, he was one of their most consistent players at second base. He's going to be out for six weeks. Uh, so, you know, it hasn't gone, a court, you know, perfectly, but it usually doesn't go perfectly. And they also got hurt by, a, you know, a really a fast start by the Mets, who, you know, are still without two of their good, the best pitchers in DeGrom and uh, Scherzer. They're on the I.L. So one of Philly's major problems is defense. One of their major holes right now is at shortstop. Uh, think with me here. The the Guardians have a stockpile of shortstops. Uh, you know, they, their major league ready shortstops right now are are all pretty much, you know, performing well and uh, you know, with, with Jimenez and and, you know, Rosario's starting to come around a little bit. Uh, is is Ahmed Rosario expendable? Is 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 that a, a piece that Philly might like? And could the Guardians take advantage of a desperate Philly team right now? Yeah, maybe. You know, what What do the Phillies have that uh, the Guardians would like? Well, it, it, it becomes a matter of what areas do the Guardians need to trade for right now and what are the obvious positions that they need to trade for uh you know i think you're always going to go back to you know they could use a corner outfield but but right now uh, if you bring somebody in at the major league level you you block up some of these spots where they've got a good thing going with uh with some of these young guys sort of developing and learning how to play the game uh you've got a constant rotation of guys like steven kwan richie palacios oscar gonzalez uh trying to to get innings and get experience up here uh you, you don't want to sort of mortgage that sort of uh you know opportunity for the future uh for a, a guy who'd come in if, if you're able to to pry away a a veteran outfielder yeah what they've got castellanos there uh you know he's making a ton of money yeah, there's uh, no way the, there's no, no way the guardians can afford that yeah, and uh, you've got um, oh man, the DH from the Cubs who had the great World Series against them, Cal Schwarber. Yeah, Schwarber's there. I mean, uh, that he'd be an interesting guy, I think. But he's again, he's making about ninety million dollars. So, and like you said, Joe, they're going to block somebody. Uh, 
And and we still don't know just how serious the Guardians are for being a contender. So would they, you know, I would think if they make a move, it would be kind of, it would have to be more long range than immediate impact. Yeah, I would think it would be for somebody who's a, a high prospect and, and close to being ready for, uh, you know, major league uh, ready if they if they do make a deal for for somebody. But you're not going to get a high prospect for Ahmed Rosario unless you package him with one of your other prospects. Uh, so, yeah, that, I don't know if that works, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's intriguing. I, I'm sure that there have been, you know, that there have or there will be phone calls exchanged if if somebody's looking. but. Right now, uh, I would think as we sort of start projecting and thinking towards the the trade deadline, uh, uh, Rosario would probably be a prime candidate for that, uh, and really one of the only ones on the roster right now. Yeah, I mean uh, that that makes sense. Obviously, you deal from a position of strength. You know, you've got him Jimenez sitting there. You know, playing playing very well. You've got two or three or four or five different guys that, you know, are close to being ready. If Arias, you know, comes back from that broken hand at AAA, you've got uh, Tyler Freeman down there who's starting to play well. And yeah, he just hit his, how Freeman just hit his third home run of the season the other day. Yeah. And Rocchio is at, at AA. So, you know, you've, you've got some depth there and it, it would make sense, Joe. It would definitely make sense. Yeah. I, I, uh, over under, I don't want to say over under, uh, uh, chances that Rosario finishes the season with Cleveland on the on on Cleveland's roster. What what do you think they are? Ooh, that's a good that's a good question. Uh, you know, I'd say fifty fifty right now. Yeah, I, I I'd, I'd say probably a little bit more. I'd go if you say fifty fifty. I'm going to say sixty forty in favor of him staying, only because uh, Tito does like him so much. Tito does really like what he brings in terms of the way he runs the bases hard every time. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he does all those little intangible things that, that, that Tito likes in a veteran. Uh, and I've, I've never heard Tito speak negatively and, and you can find holes in Rosario's game, it, 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 especially defensively, but I've never really heard Tito, uh, you know, sort of focus on anything in the negative about Rosario. Uh, he, he just really likes the fact that this is a guy who says if they, if they tell him, Hey, we need you to go out and play left field today. He's like, Oh, all right, I'm going out in the left field. And, and he's just a professional that way. So uh, for, for all the, the, the negativity that, you know, people put on Twitter and, and all that stuff about him. Uh, I, I think that, you know, in house, I think Tito really likes the guy. Yeah. And you need a guy like that. If you're a manager on a young team, the youngest team in, in the big leagues, youngest roster, you need a veteran like that. You need Jose Ramirez. You need, uh, Ahmed Rosario to kind of Fran Mel Reyes to kind of show the way here. And uh, so I think, yeah, you know, there's a point, there's a case for him staying as well. Yeah. Uh, Rob Thompson is going to be the new uh, interim manager in Philadelphia until they get their stuff figured out. They've also fired uh, a couple of their assistant coaches and their, their quality control coach. <laughs> so the, the Phillies had a quality control coach. He apparently really wasn't doing his job. Because the quality out there in Philly this year hasn't hasn't necessarily been there, uh, but we'll uh, we'll keep track of uh, the situation <laughs> and and what the uh, what the rumors are coming out of Philly as we get closer to the trade deadline. You know, uh, Joe, uh, you know, a, a while ago, uh, I don't know. This was a, a previous front office, you know, that was in charge in Philadelphia. They really like Sandy Alomar. 
Oh wow! So I mean, that might be a guy to watch. I don't, but I think you know that that was the Ruben Amaro uh, when he was GM there, right? And so that they've moved on. So I don't know if that's there's any uh, still connections there, and I don't know if Sandy would want that job. Yeah, you got to also consider it. He he would have to go no further than to, you know down the hall to ask Tito what it's like to manage in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, that's so right. I forgot he's about probably that. he's probably not going to get a ringing endorsement from Francona <laughs> on uh, on what it would be like to manage there in in the city of brotherly love uh, for sure. Uh, the Guardians open a three game weekend series in Baltimore uh, beginning tonight. Shane Bieber on the mound, no better position to be in with uh, with your ace going in the the opener of this series, and uh, the ballpark that they've been going to since what 1992, known as Camden Yards, uh, now kind of taking on a different look and a different feel. Uh, you wrote about it this morning, the 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 Great Wall in Baltimore. Uh, what's uh, what's the latest in the what, what's the feeling out there? Uh, with this 389 foot monster out there in left field <laughs> yeah they just kind of it sprung up joe over the winter uh they moved the wall back you know almost uh 30 feet they raised oh, it goodness by by almost uh five feet uh you know the left field wall you know it was a launching pad it used to be you know the most home runs hit uh, over the last five years have been at camden yards but uh, you know the the wall has really influenced you know, cut that down. And, uh, you know, and uh, the only people that are really cheering about it are the pitchers. Uh, you know, the, um, the the pitching as the starting pitching uh, with the Orioles has improved. The pitching overall has improved and they're keeping the ball in the park. So, you know, there's, there's been a lot of people complaining about it. Uh, Trey Mancini, even the, you know, the Orioles hitters has lost, you know, several home runs to it. Um so did so did uh, Aaron Judge. You know he was calling it make a ballpark like uh, or create a ballpark after you know he lost the home run. It was turned into a double off the top of the wall. So it, it kind of reminds me, Joe, of uh, when uh, the Indians at the old stadium mm-hmm. erected their 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 own fence. Uh, you know, for Alex Cole to patrol, and they they moved the fences back. They had this huge barrier in center field, and then Alex Cole uh, separates his shoulder in in, the, in spring training and can hardly play there. Yeah, I, I think uh, me and my buddies nicknamed it the Blue Ant. It was Blue uh, Ant. Yeah, it yeah. was the the uh, the the little bump in the the center field wall directly. Uh, uh, straight away uh, in front of the scoreboard, in front of the bleachers there at Old Municipal Stadium. Uh, just to backtrack here, uh, Aaron Judge has absolutely no business talking about the dimensions of anybody else's ballpark when he plays in that little bandbox in uh, in New York where you can hit a pop-up off the end of the bat and it goes out to right field. I don't, I don't think he, he has a legitimate argument about dimensions of a ballpark anywhere he goes. Uh, you know, in terms of, you know, being, uh, you know, park factors or favoring or anything like that. Uh, 30 feet is a lot. I, yeah, I, didn't 20, I think it was 26 and a half feet that they moved it back. I, that that's, that's a considerable amount now. Yeah. And I, yeah. If you're Baltimore, you're changing the dimensions of the park and it's based on what it's based on your pitching staff has been garbage the last how many years. I mean, you've had what one decent uh, John Means was there. There only right. 
and he's on the the injured list. He's I on think. the injured list with Tommy John coming back yeah. from Tommy John. So I I get it. I I understand uh, doing that, but but that seems like a pretty permanent fix for a problem that you can you know you can change pretty much season to season if you just invest in your pitching and, and, and you know it it, it seems it seems like overkill just a little bit to move those fences back uh that far it's going to be different to to watch a game there this uh at least on tv uh to see these guys going back on balls uh what's what's it going to be like for the the outfielders in cleveland who have never seen this yeah, I mean, and there's a severe angle, I think, in the power angle, power mm-hmm. alley. You know, it kind of goes from there's a just a corner, almost a triangle's been, you know, almost, you know, uh, it uh, converted. A wall has created this, this like big angle out in the, you know, in, in left center field. And that's got to be hard to play as well. It's kind of like the triangle at uh, at Fenway Park Fenway in Russia. Yeah, and, and and you're talking about a young outfield. Uh, Miles Straw obviously has some experience. He's played in these parks before, uh, but he's never seen anything like this. But it's the guys on the corners who are going to be, you know, uh, most affected by it. I, I would think that you might want to run uh, Oscar Mercado out there at least for the first game just to get your feet under you and, and see it. Uh, Stephen Kwan, uh, it, we, we still haven't really seen maybe the best of him in the outfield, so... Uh, that'll be interesting. Uh, Richie Palacios is is uh, just learning the outfield position right now. Uh, I might want to stay away from putting him out there at all. Uh, Oscar Gonzalez, I don't think you have to worry about him over in right field. That's that's a different animal. Although, you know, they right got field, the scoreboard. Yeah, yeah. Right field in um, in Camden Yards does have that little like disappearing angle down in the corner. So yeah, I, I would imagine that Kyle Hudson is going to be out there with the guys. Uh, you know, early trying to get a feel for the uh, the park here, at least today, uh, pregame warmups. Uh, you know, just just really interesting, uh, all the things that have to go into this when a, a team decides to make a change like that, and uh, you bring a you bring your club, uh, especially a young club like this, out there to to try and make an, an adjustment. Yeah, and uh, it's you know, it kind of reminds me of uh, I think they did that at Comerica Park, didn't they? Didn't they? But mm-hmm. I think they moved the fences in. Yes. In left field. Well, they move the fences in at Comerica, and it's still a, a cavern out there. I mean, it, it, baseballs go to die in the outfield in, in Comerica yeah. Park. That's that, and and it's a it's a triple every time you try and get a pass or you get a pass somebody. But yeah, the left field fences they moved in, and they sort of made uh, like the bullpen area out there. Uh, right, it, it's a little closer. So, yeah, I I could see that. I, I, parks changing. It, it's a it's a it's a big process, I guess it, it takes, you can't just snap your fingers and do it. So in order to like change this, this change in Baltimore, in order to make an adjustment back, you know, you're, you're going to have to, uh, it, it, it's going to take a, a little while. I, I still have yet to see somebody needs to do the reverse polo grounds and just do a, uh, <laughs> you know, like a, a big section of bleachers that comes in way in so that it like line drives to center field or home runs. And then just really deep power alleys uh, out to left and right field. I think uh, that would be the the most unique ballpark configuration we could think of. Joe, when when Bill Veck owned uh, the Milwaukee uh, Brewers when they were a minor league team, his he had an outfield fence that was on wheels that they would move it in. You know, when against teams and the non power hitting teams, and move it back against the power hitting teams. <laughs> 
I I don't see how you can do it. Well, yeah, obviously you couldn't get away with like something like that. You can't get today, away with but, it now, but but <laughs> wow, yeah, and and it, it messes with like the metrics with like Statcast and all that. You know, in with with Statcast and and the way games are, are tracked now, uh, you know, home runs in let's say when they were in Comerica and uh, Ahmed Rosario hits a ball that dies on the warning track. You know, you can look up and see based on what the other parks that that ball would have been. You know, if that would have been a home run in 29 of, uh, of the other 30 parks or 28 of the 29 parks. So, uh, you know, something like that is 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 really interesting to see. I wonder uh, how many home runs hit to le- or how many balls hit to left field this weekend would have been home runs in other parks uh, coming up. Well, I guess there's only been like 11, 11 balls hit over the wall. Um, over the left field wall this year through that that's through the first 25 home games something we haven't seen uh just in his first week in the big leagues oscar gonzalez the uh the rookie who came up and had multiple multi-hit games uh, in four of his first five uh it, we haven't seen the 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 power uh yet it's it's there but it's it hasn't you know shown in a game uh chris valeka the the hitting coach for the guardians uh, said something along the lines of, you know, if he just keeps keeps doing what he's doing, the power will show up. The pull power will show up. I did see him in batting practice on Tuesday, uh, hit one in the bleachers about halfway up and about halfway out, uh, you know, towards center field. So if that ball had been pulled to, to dead left field, it probably would have been uh, way gone even in Baltimore. But uh, Gonzalez, we've seen him put the bat on the ball. That skill is elite. We just haven't seen him drive the ball yet. Yeah, Joe, you did. Uh, you did a nice story on him. What What were you able to learn about uh, Oscar Gonzalez? Just from the guys that played with him up through, uh, you know, Stephen Kwan has has been with him at every level since since Lynchburg, and says the guy's consistent. He called Kwan called him the the best pure hitter he's ever seen, uh, which is you know, high praise, but I, I think just the more than his, his skill and his ability, I think right now what's carrying him and getting him through this first week of uh, the playing in the majors is his personality and his, you know, he's always got a smile on his face. He's, he's like a big kid out there. Really. He's 24 years old and uh, everybody has said the same thing. He's consistent. Uh, he's a great competitor, good teammate. and uh, just a good guy to be around. You can tell because he picked the, the SpongeBob SquarePants theme song <laughs> as his walk-up music. And when we asked him why, he said, it's because the kids like it and I want the kids to be happy. <laughs> well, he, he certainly has uh, added kind of a, uh, he's, he's influenced the uh, the team in the right way, I think. Most, you know, I, I, I always go by uh, what Joel Skinner uh, used to say about rookies when you when you get when a rookie gets called up uh, to the to the big leagues you keep your eyes open your eyes and all your ears open and your mouth shut and uh, but uh, I think uh, you know he's you know Oscar seems to uh, you know have really energized that clubhouse and I'm sure uh, you know he's having some good conversations in there with his teammates yeah he, he specifically he's smart kid he's, he specifically sought out Jose Ramirez on the end of the bench and that's where he sits during innings and, and watches and, and tries to learn. And, and, and Jose's really taken to it as sort of like the professor now. He's uh, it, it helps, you know, both from the Dominican Republic. I think uh, 
you know, Jose is, is, is really going to take him under his wing. And, and that's a, that's a good thing. Uh, you know, it, it's, there's a lot of, of Dominican presence in that locker room with, with Classe and Rosario and, and Reyes when he's healthy, he's there. So I, I, I think a real big positive there for, to make the transition real easy. The other thing is, uh, you know, Tito said, he's like you said, he's, he's energized the lineup. Uh, normally when rookies come up, they're just trying to, to get their bearings and get their, you know, their head, head on straight. Uh, this is a guy who's actually helping them win games. Yeah, that's that's really important because, you know, I think he's he's in a good environment. Like you said, there's a lot of Spanish speaking players around him. There's also a lot of young guys that he's come up to the minors with. So, you know, it's not like he's trying to fit in to a veteran lineup. You know, he's played with a lot of these guys. He went to spring training with a lot of them. Uh, So, you know, that that helps the adjustment period for sure. All right. A uh, bunch of things on my list here that we didn't get to for this episode as we're starting to wrap up. Uh, just throw them out there just to mention them real quickly. Uh, Trevor Steffen, uh, April and May, two completely different months for the the Guardians reliever. Uh, I don't think he gave up a, an earned run in April. Uh, he's given up quite a few actually in uh, in, in May. Uh, in, in fact, uh, all of his earned runs he's given up in May, eight of them. Uh, he's got a nine ERA in that in that span, uh, and and several walks. Uh, it's just the last you know maybe ten outings have have not gone well for for Trevor Steffen. Yeah, Tito said you know he kind of fell in love with that split finger fastball, and instead of he overthrew it and uh, maybe threw it too much, and instead of going straight down, it's kind of leaking sideways now, and it's it's easier to hit. Uh, the twins have sort of fallen back to the pack here. They, they lose what, uh, three straight to Detroit. Uh, and, and, you know, their, their lead in the American league central is, is sort of dwindling, uh, injuries really affecting the twins right now. Yeah. Joe Ryan's on the, uh, COVID IL, uh, um, um, uh, Correa's on, on the, uh, COVID IL, uh, Sonny, Sonny Gray just left a game, uh, la- two days ago with uh, I think it was a hamstring um, uh, uh, paddock. Chris Paddock is lost for the season uh, with, with Tommy John. So, you know, they've had some issues, especially in their pitching, and that's where they couldn't afford to have it, Joe. Uh, maybe uh, Dallas Keuchel could be the answer if uh, if they're looking for a veteran pitcher to come in. Uh, Keuchel released by the uh, White Sox after, uh, you know, really struggling this season. Yeah, just uh, when we saw him in Cleveland – you know, that was not the Dallas Keuchel that uh, dominated, uh, you know, was really, it was a Cy Young winner for, for the Houston Astros, I believe it was 2015. You know, age catches up to everybody, even sinker ball pitchers, I guess. Yeah, he was 2-5 and five with a 7-8-8 ERA uh, in eight games this season. So uh, Dallas Keuchel uh, out there looking for a job. And finally, Hoinsey, I pose this question to you as we wrap up. Uh what would it take for you to slap another guy in the face over a fantasy football bet? Uh, I, I, this is, this is a story that's just not going away. Tommy Pham's three game suspension, Jock Peterson gets, uh, gets smacked in the face and, and everybody wants to talk about this. Like it's like, it's some big deal. Uh, apparently Mike Trout is now to blame for all of this because, because he didn't run the, the league the right way. Uh, but 
but fam's interesting. It, it, it's interesting because uh, the guardians kind of looked in on him maybe as a, as an option here uh, in the outfield. Uh, yeah. The season. They were looking at a lot of outfielders and fam was one of them. And uh, they dodged a bullet there, Joe, because yeah. <laughs> he, you know, he wanted to, he almost got into a fight with somebody. Somebody slid into one of the, the Reds catchers this year earlier and he threatened a guy. And now this, you know, he, he went Will Smith on, uh, yeah. <laughs> on Jack Peterson and and poor Mike Trout, you know, who hasn't who's never said boo in his career. <laughs> now he's the commissioner and people are asking him about it. And what did Trout say? I don't know a commissioner who hasn't been booed. But... Yeah, there you go. That was that's the, the best line of the week right there. All right, Hoinsey. Uh have a great weekend in Baltimore. We'll catch up with you again uh on Monday here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. All right, Joe. 